And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. I want you to take your Bibles, turn to Psalms 37, Psalms chapter 37. I want to talk to you about three big mountain movers, three big mountain movers while you're turning to Psalms 37 on your device or in your physical body Bible. Let me announce that, that we need everybody, if you're a member of this congregation, if you love this church, we need you to come out this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock because we're going to do two very important things. Number one, we're gonna, we're, we need to make some changes on our bylaws and constitution. And the reason we need to do this is because the last time these were changed was back in the 1980s. And we simply, we're not making any major changes, but we are simply bringing them up to date. And so we're going to be reviewing that with you. Then later on in the month of February, we'll be actually bringing that to the congregation for consideration. But we just want to show it to you this Wednesday night. Also, our architect, Hayes Laird, will be here. And he's got some new updates on the, on the improvements we want to make to the facilities. We've got some prices in now. And so we want to share that with you. That'll be this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock right here in the auditorium. Psalms chapter 37 Verse 1, the psalmist says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. But trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass, and he shall bring forth your he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noon day. Kathy and I left on January first to take her mama back to North Carolina and we came came back here this week. But on Tuesday night when we turn on the news to our astonishment, we learned that Iran had shot some rockets trying to hit some of our troops in Iraq. And what I noticed is that the whole world held its collective breath for the next 24 hours trying to figure out if we were going to be at war with Iran. And two things happened. If you follow the world markets, number one, the price of oil shot through the roof, not just in the states, but around the world. And number two, the markets all went down, in consider, in, including our stock market, our Dow Jones Industrial uh, Average actually went down 400 points. Why? Because there was an investor fear. There was investor concern. And yet, the psalmist and David knew what it was to have people threatening his life. He ran from Saul, remember, for 10 years. But here's what he learned. He says, do not fret because of evil doers. Do not worry because people are out there doing the wrong things. See, one of the problems that we face is that we're in this information age where you can look on your phone and you can find out what's going on halfway around the world. And if you're not careful, what's going on halfway around the world can cause you to have a spirit of upset about you and it can cause you to have a bad day. And yet the psalmist says, do not fret because of evildoers. Three times 
times in Matthew 5, Jesus said, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. He says, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. You know, dear ones, the reason, and I so much appreciated, appreciated Zach ministering last Sunday morning and, and last Wednesday night. You know, Kathy and I were on the road driving through the mountains of North Carolina, but we, we went ahead and tuned in to the Facebook Live. We couldn't watch the pictures, but we could listen. I heard Scott making the announcements, and then Zach began to preach from Matthew chapter 6, and, and we, were, we got to be a part of that. And so Kathy and I, we started fasting last Sunday with you and the reason we start the first of every January the first of every year with a Daniel fast the reason we push away the plate David said I humbled my heart with fasting and sometimes you and I can have more pride in us than we realize sometimes I'll tell you especially when that first couple of days when I start to fast even when it's a Daniel fast and dear ones I want you to know when you're traveling you eat a lot of salads a lot of soups and a lot of baked potatoes I look forward to Kathy cooking some vegetables now that we're home. But sometimes your old flesh will act up. Sometimes your old flesh, sometimes in stuff inside you will start to come out that you don't even know is there. Well, the reason we're fasting and praying is because we want revival here at Evangel, but we want revival in Tallahassee. See, I want Jesus to come to your house and I want him to sit down with you and I want him to sup with you and I want you to have communion together and I want his glory and his grace to be demonstrated in your life, in your home. See, church is a whole lot more than just what we do here on Sunday morning. Church is about Jesus coming and sitting down with you on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday and on Sunday and on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday and on Monday and on Tuesday and Wednesday. Are you getting it? Huh. Over Matthew, Jesus sent a couple of his disciples. He says, I want you to go to a certain man and I want you to tell him, say, my time is at hand. Show, show us the room where we're going to celebrate the Passover. And don't you know that man was glad that Jesus was coming to his house? Don't you want Jesus to come to your house? Because when he comes, he brings his glory. He brings his grace. He brings the anointing. Hallelujah. There's a man in the Old Testament who got to keep the ark of God in his house for a couple of months. His name was Obed-Edom. And you'll remember that David, King David was zealous for the presence of God. And in the Old Testament, the presence of God was, was with the ark of God. See, the ark of God was simply a, 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 a square box, about four foot by four foot. It was made out of acacia wood. It was covered with gold and it had a lid on it and that lid was called the mercy seat. And the high priest would offer the animal sacrifices and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat 
Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. I'm so glad that Jesus shed his blood on the cross for you and me, and his blood was applied to that heavenly mercy seat. Hallelujah. And so, folks, we've been set free, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, not only was that mercy seat covered with gold, but there were two carved angels. There were cherubim that had been placed on top of the mercy seat. And we read in the book of Exodus, God says, I dwell between the wings of the cherubim. I dwell between the wings of the cherubim. And David wanted to get that ark. It had been in Philistine territory where they had captured it under Saul's days. And David, the best thing he he could do in his heart was to put up a tent. It was called the Tabernacle of David. And he says, I want to bring the ark of God to Jerusalem. But they didn't quite do it the right way. And the oxen stumbled and things didn't go well. And, And so David said, how can I bring the ark of God here? And Without telling that whole story, he looked up on the hillside and there was a man's house named Obed-Edom. And so here King David goes up with all his armies and all his officials and he knocks on the door. Obed-Edom opens the door and he says, King David. David says, we've run into a problem. Can we put the ark of God here inside your house? And they bring the ark of God into Obed-Edom's living room. Can you imagine that? Here's Here's the ark of God. Here's that acacia wooden box covered with gold with the mercy seat on top two angels two cherubim whose wings are meeting at the very top and God says I dwell between the wings of the cherubim David put it this way he says in your presence there's fullness of joy in your presence at the father's right hand there are pleasures forevermore How would you like the very presence of God to come and live and dwell in your living room. Now when Jesus died, when he proclaimed it is finished, the veil of the temple was rent in two and the presence of God was no longer kept between the wings of the cherubim. But the Holy Spirit is everywhere all the time. God is omnipresent. He's with us today and he's with people around the world. And Jesus said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. But I'm telling you, folks, Jesus wants to manifest himself in your house and in your life and in your family 24-7. When you sit down to watch media, he wants to watch it with you so that'll make you extra careful on what you watch amen come on when you surf the internet he's surfing the internet with you hallelujah somebody said oh me yeah well maybe that's what repentance is for hallelujah i'm telling you he wants to come to your house I, i i'm just praying see we're fasting and praying saying jesus we want you to come to our house and manifest power. We want you to come in our lives and manifest power. God, we don't want just to be religious. We don't want to just come and get inoculated with a little bit of Christianity on Sunday morning. But Jesus, we want all of you for all of the time. And so we're fasting and we're praying and we're pushing away the plate. In this Daniel fast, we're pushing away bread and sweets and and meat. And Lord God, We're just telling you that we want you more than we want ourselves because this is a form of of, of sacrificial spiritual warfare. When you're fasting and praying, dear ones, let me tell you what, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual authority in, in, in places of darkness. And dear ones, as you fast and as you pray, let me tell you something, it doesn't change God, doesn't change his word, but it changes you and me, changes us from the inside out. Hallelujah. And there's some things Jesus said only come 
by prayer and by fasting. And if you haven't gotten on board with this this year, you can find some booklets out on the guest services table that'll help you, that'll explain it to you. And whether you, whether you participate, we've got two more weeks left. Whether you participate in all two weeks or you take a day here or, or three days here, I'm asking everyone to participate in some way and push away the plate and spend time in prayer is so that you can be blessed. See, dear ones, we want Jesus to come to the governor's house right here in Tallahassee. We want Jesus to come to the governor's mansion. We want Jesus to come to every state senator, every legislator, every assistant, every, every lobbyist in Tallahassee. We want the spirit of the living God. We want Jesus to come to our city commissioners. We want Jesus to come to the home of our mayor. We want Jesus to come to the home of our county commissioners. We want Jesus to come to our school board. Come on. We want Jesus to come to your neighbors and to your friends. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Look at that. Trust in the Lord and do good. One of the things that you and I need to pray is say, Jesus, would you show me today who I can do good to? You can't do good to everybody. You can't take care of every single need, but there's some people that you can be a blessing to. There's some people that you can, you can help out. Trust in the Lord and do good. Last Monday morning, Kathy and I drove up to Banner Elk, North Carolina. That's up in the Northwest Blue Ridge Mountains. Banner Elk is about 15 minutes from the Tennessee line and about 45 minutes from Damascus, Virginia. So it's up there in that corner, up, up close to Boone, North Carolina. And uh, this mountain cabin that we were staying in is at an altitude of 3,500 uh, 3, foot altitude. And it, the mountain that it's on is about a 5,000 foot peak. It's pretty tall there. And uh, Kathy and I have learned over the years that when we pull up to the cabin, because there, 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 I don't know, there's about 12 other cabins on that mountain, but there's only three of them that people live in year round. The others are, are seasonal, uh, uh, seasonal cabins. And we've learned that when we pull up, we sit in our car for a little bit and look around because there have been times that we found mama bears coming along with their cubs. There have been times we found all kinds of, of wildlife. And so Kathy and I pulled in and we just sat there and we were just looking around and I saw some movement. Something caught my eye. And on the front porch, there was a little white dachshund dog, you know, a wiener dog, one of the, a dash hound. Um, <laughs> and I looked and he was shivering. It was about 30 degrees. It had, it had snowed the night before. Everything was, was beautiful. But he was so cold, he was just shivering. And I'm thinking, where did he come from? He's got, I looked, he's got a collar on. But when I approached him, he didn't have any dog tags. And I thought, well, could this be a neighbor's dog? And so Kathy and I got on the phone and called the, the neighbors. And they said, no, he's not ours. One of the neighbors came over. And so he called somebody else. And they didn't know anything about him. And, and I'm thinking, this dog is cold and he's hungry. And, of course, remember, we're doing the Daniel fast. And we just stopped at a grocery store. Well, what do you buy for? You buy vegetables. How many of you have found dogs that like to eat your vegetables? We didn't have much for that, that dog to eat. And I found some bacon bits in the refrigerator, the real kind of bacon bits, you know. And they may have been a little old, but he, he wasn't too choosy right then. 
I, I, I gave that dog bacon bits after he just, he loved it, man. Proverbs 3 is a sister verse. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a sister verse to Psalms chapter 3, verse 3. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And I remember I stood in the kitchen of that house thinking, Jesus, may this dog not mess up inside this house, honestly. And then I said, Lord, I just acknowledge you. We don't know what to do. We're up here in the middle of nowhere. Lord, we get this little dog and the dog's awfully, he's been suffering and you can see his ribs and he's kind of old and I'm wondering if he can see so good. And, and I said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And our neighbor kept placing calls and he finally called somebody who says, no, I don't know about it, but let me call somebody and find out if they know. To make a long story short, I mean, we called a bunch of people. What we found is that on the next mountain over, there's actually across the street in a place called Eagles Ridge in Banner Elk, there was a family from South Florida who had come up with their three children. They'd never seen snow before, and they brought their little wiener dog. And for five days, the dog has been missing. The dog was outside during a snowstorm. The dog made its way. They were about, their, their, their cabin was about two miles away. He had to come down that mountain. He had to cross a road. He had to cross a cold river, the Elk River, and then he had to come up 3,500 feet elevation to where our cabin was, and he's sitting there waiting on us. <laughs> Kathy got on the phone finally with the owners. They were getting ready to come back to Florida, and they were hysterical. Where's our puppy? Kathy got on the phone with a lady, and she said, you have my, you really have my dog? And the lady started to cry. Kathy started to cry. Fifteen minutes later, her husband and their three little girls jump out of the car and come running inside. And when they saw that puppy, that dog, they were so excited. They, were just, they all started crying, and we were just having a crying time there. Now, Kathy, we haven't even unloaded our car yet, okay? It's cold when that front door opens. But the Bible says, trust in the Lord and do good. You never know. You never know how you can do good to somebody. You never know the relationships and the doors that that opens. And sometimes the truth is that we'll do good and we'll do the right thing and that doesn't mean other people are gonna do the right thing. You know, you'll do the right thing and you'll do good and sometimes people will speak evil of the good that you do. Sometimes people will curse you and sometimes people will, will treat you wrong. And dear ones, I'm going to tell you something. We just do good anyway. I said, we're just going to do the right thing whether anybody else does it or not. And what you got to have when you're doing, when you're trusting in the Lord and you're doing good and you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel, when you're trusting in the Lord and you're doing good and you feel like all hell's coming against you, let me tell you what you need. You have need of patience. But you have need of patience, the Bible says, that you may inherit the promises. Let patience do her perfect work that you may count it perfect and entire, wanting and lacking nothing. But dear ones, there's some enemies to patience. You may want to write, I'm going to tell you three enemies. You may want to write these down. The first enemy to patience is fear. Everybody say fear. See, fear 
will cause you to make bad decisions sometimes. Fear will cause you to bail out of your plan. Fear will cause you to, 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 to think about things and they become bigger in your mind than they really are. God's not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So number one, fear is an enemy of patience. Number two, anxiety is an enemy of patience. The Bible says anxiety in a man's heart will bring him down. Worry in a woman's heart will bring her down. Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Number one, fear is an enemy of patience. Number two, anxiety is an enemy of patience. Number three, impulsiveness is an enemy of patience. How do you know if you're impulsive? Well, if you go to the mall and you don't plan to buy anything and you come out with shopping bags, you made some impulsive decisions because you found goodbyes on something that you told yourself, I can't live without. How many of you ever bought something because it was a goodbye only to get home and never use it at all? See, impulsiveness will cause you to be impatient. Anybody in here ever tried to grow a Chinese bamboo tree? Chinese. Now, there's all kinds of bamboo. You, in fact, you got, bam, you got bamboo in your yard, don't you? They live down in Hosford. They got lots and lots of bamboo. You still have all that bamboo? Your daddy planted that, right? That's what I remember. Yeah. Chinese bamboo, what I understand is that it takes five years after you plant the seed before the sprout, before the shoot ever comes up out of the ground. Five years. Can you imagine that? You decide, I want me some Chinese bamboo. So you go get some Chinese bamboo seeds and you prepare the ground and you plant it and you water it and you water it and you water it and you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait some more. Nothing seems to be happening, but dear ones, there is germination going on underneath the soil. Everybody look to me. Sometimes we're believing God and we don't see anything happening. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit still is germinating some things. You may not be able to see it. They say that on the fifth year, that suddenly a shoot will come up out of the ground and it grows so fast. Those Chinese bamboo shoots grow so fast that you can almost see them growing. In fact, it's said that within five weeks, they'll grow to be at height of 80 feet. Can you imagine that? It becomes, it comes because you got to have patience. Dear ones, it takes patience for good things to happen in your life. Patience is not one of my better qualities. But it's something I've learned over the years as I've trusted God and as I believed the Lord. The good things in life come with patience. Did you know that wealth comes by patience, but poverty will come because of impatience? Let me, let, let me let, let's do a, let's, let's put a, the first slide up there about the, See, if, if you take $1,000, $1,000, and you take it to the bank, 
and you invested at 10%. Now, I know what you're thinking. You can't get 10% interest today. I understand that. But there was a day. There was a time. It was a while ago, but I remember. You could get 10% easily on CDs. You could get, in fact, you, you could get as much as 17% at one time. And things are cyclical. And it comes and goes. And I don't get discouraged because you're only getting 1.5%. On your, on, your, on your money at the bank now. But let's say if you took, if you took $1,000 at 10%, and I, just, I chose 10% because it's easy. I can do that kind of math, okay? Okay, if you take $1,000 at 10%, at the end of the year, you're gonna have $100 interest. Okay, so now you're gonna have $1,100. Okay, let's look at the next slide. Year two, at 10% interest on your $1,100, that's going to be $110 interest, okay? That's $1,210. You say, well, that's nothing to write home about. Well, I like $210 better than a, on top of the $1,000. You know, I like the interest. That's, see, this is the miracle. Baron, Ron, Baron von Rothschild called compound interest the eighth wonder of the world. And it doesn't look like much it start to when, you, when you first started. Let's go to year three. You got 10% interest on $1,210. That's only $121. But you add it to the $1,210, and let's go to year four. It gives you $1,331, okay? Now, 10% interest on $1,331 is $133. Okay, then you add that, let's go to year five. Year five, you now have $146 of interest coming on $1,464, and it all started with $1,000. Let's go to the next slide. At the end of 40 years, you're going to have $45,000 in the bank and all you did was put a thousand in there and you didn't lift your hand to do anything. You just let the interest take over. And the wonderful thing about compound interest is it starts paying interest not only on the principal, but also on the interest itself. Hallelujah. Let's say you're 25 years old when you first put that thousand dollars in the bank at 10%. And let's say you get to be 65, that'd be 40 years later, you get to be 65. I like having $45,000 in the bank and only, and 44 of it is totally interest. You say, Pastor, my needs are even greater than that. Well, dear ones, what if you'd put $10,000 in the bank at 10%? when you were 25? What if you put $20,000 in the bank at 10% when you were 25? What if you put $30,000 in the bank? I'm just telling you, dear ones, good things happen for those that are patient and those that wait. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But it takes patience. Everybody say patience. Verse 7 says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. See, one of the things that we're praying about is God, as I go into this fast, we want your glory, we want revival, but God, I want you to deal with anything inside me that's not like Jesus. See, one of the fruit of the Spirit is called, in the King James Version, it's called long-suffering. 
In other translations, it's translated as patience. But the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ, as you abide in Jesus, He's going to produce His character inside you. He's going to produce His integrity inside you. And the character of Christ is love and joy and peace and long-suffering. That's the fourth fruit of the Spirit. You see, as you abide in Jesus, He'll work this patience in you. Now, folks, even as old as I am, and I'm older than the hills, amen? As old as I am, I am not by nature a patient person. But I'll pray and say, God, do your perfect work in me. That's what I'm doing is now as we're praying and fasting. Lord, would you work on me? Would you change things? Would you rearrange things inside me that are not like Jesus, amen? Verse 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Everybody say, feed on his faithfulness. One more time. Feed on his faithfulness. You say, I'm not sure what that means, Pastor. Listen to this. One of the reasons King David was so successful is because from the time he was a young boy, he had learned to feed on the faithfulness of God. He had learned to meditate on the faithfulness of God. You remember the story, 1 Samuel chapter 17, David was sent to take some food and supplies to his brothers who were at the battlefront with the Philistines. And about the time he gets there, a big giant, nine and a half foot tall, named Goliath comes out and he begins to curse the, the, the Israelite armies and he begins to to mock them and David says who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he's mocking the armies of the living God he says I'll go and fight with him and King David said you can't go I mean King Saul said David you can't go you're just a kid you're young and David looked at King Saul and here's what he says he says you know I used to keep my daddy's sheep he said, I used to keep my daddy's sheep. And he says, one day a, a bear attacked my daddy's sheep. He took a, a lamb away and I chased him down and I killed him. And one day a lion came and attacked our, 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 our flock. And I killed that lion. And I want you to know, this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be just like one of the, just like the lion and just like the bear. Dear ones, what was he doing? He was feeding he was thinking about the times God had healed him and the times God had met his needs and the times God had come through and the times God had made a way where there didn't appear to be a way. Jesus, you know, he had a hard time getting the disciples to believe God. He had a hard time getting the disciples into faith. One day he said to him, you find this in Mark's gospel chapter 8. One day he said to them, he says, guys, he said, when, when we took the five loaves and fed the 5,000, how many basketfuls did we collect? How many did they collect? Twelve. Twelve, that's right. And he says, and when we fed the 4,000, how many basketfuls of fragments did we collect? And they said, seven and he says, don't you understand? See, they still didn't get it. There was what I'm saying to you. Jesus is saying, hey, when you're seeing miracles take place, when you're seeing healings, when you're seeing deliverances, when you're seeing God make a way where there doesn't appear to be a way, when you're seeing the Red Sea part, when you're seeing the Jordan River stop for you, when you're seeing God doing that which only he can do, you need to stop and pay attention and you need to meditate on the faithfulness and on the goodness of God. 
We started this fasting and praying with you last Sunday. And last Sunday afternoon, I just took the Bible and I began meditating on the faithfulness throughout the scriptures of God to his people. I started thinking about Adam and Eve. I mean, they messed up bad. They messed it all up for all of us. And yet God was merciful. God killed an animal and provided clothing for him. And God took care of them. And God forgave them. Hallelujah. Thank God that he forgives us. Can you say amen? amen? Man, I started thinking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I thought about Noah and his family. I began thinking about Joseph, how God took care of Joseph, how God took him out of the pit and brought him all the way to the palace. I started thinking about the goodness of God to Ruth and Naomi, how when it didn't look like they were, had any food to eat, they didn't have anything going for them, they were homeless, they were, they were in bad, bad shape, and God provided for Ruth and Naomi, and he gave, he gave Ruth a husband. And that husband became, and Ruth became the grandparents of King David. I thought about how God took care of Samuel, how God took care of David, how God took care of his seed. And I just went through the whole Bible and I was just feeding on the faithfulness of God. He says in verse four, delight yourself also in the Lord. Here's the first big mountain mover, it's trust. Trust in the Lord and do good if you're taking notes. Number two, verse four, delight yourself also in the Lord. That's the second big mountain mover. Now, it's easy to do that on Sunday mornings when we're here, but I'm talking about doing it on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm gonna trust in the Lord. I'm gonna delight myself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Let me just say this about delighting yourself in the Lord. Dear ones, when you and I do that, when we say, Jesus, you're my delight. I just take delight in the things of God. I'm gonna worship you. I'm gonna spend time in your word. I'm gonna spend time with other believers. I'm not gonna neglect the assembling of myself together. I'm gonna to come to the house of God. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, dear ones, we need to say, God, you can sanctify my desires. You can change my desires. If I have any desires that aren't like you, Lord, you change them and rearrange them. I had a man come to me years ago, and I think I've shared this with you before, this man came to me and he said, Pastor, he says, uh, he says, I want you to agree with me in prayer that so-and-so will become my wife. And at first I started to say, sure, but then I thought, I thought, well, I said, isn't so-and-so married already to somebody else? He said, yeah, but the Bible says that if I delight myself in the Lord, he'll give me the desires of my heart. And the desire of my heart is to marry this woman because he's a bad husband to her. He abuses her and I would be a good husband and God has appointed me to rescue her out of this bad marriage. I said, my dear friend, you're missing something here. Malachi says that God hates divorce. Now, God does not hate divorcees. Do you hear me? God does not hate divorcees, but he hates divorce because divorce hurts people. See, divorce hurts men and women and husbands and wives, and it hurts children, and it hurts parents. It's like having a death without a funeral. But God does not hate divorcees. Dear one, I said, sir, what you need to do is you need to pray for God to heal that marriage. You need to pray that God would help this man be a good husband to this woman. And you need to pray that she'll be a good wife to this man. You need to pray that God will bless their children. You need to pray. You don't need to be a third party dividing this thing up. Because, dear ones, when we really delight ourselves in the Lord, he's not going to call you to bust up somebody else's marriage. When you delight yourself in the Lord, he's not going to cause you to do something that's contrary to the word of God. Amen? 
Verse five, he says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Commit your way to the Lord. Let me just ask you some, some questions about that. What does that mean? Commit your way to the Lord. If you go over to China, and some of you have done this, you can go see the great Chinese wall. It extends for about 5,500 miles. The most photographed part of it, and it's in the best shape, was built in the 1600s. Now think about this. The great Chinese wall was built without a bulldozer, without any earth-moving machinery. How in the world did they do that? It's one word. Commitment. Everybody say commitment. Say it again. Commitment. <laughs> Think with me for a minute about World War II. What was it that turned the tide in World War II? Most historians will tell you that it was the Normandy invasion. The Normandy invasion, 156,000 troops from the United States and Great Britain and Canada, 156,000 troops landed on the shores of the French coast over a 50 mile swath of land and they began systematically driving back the Nazis. 156,000 troops. How in the world do you plan and do you coordinate an attack that's involving 156,000 people? You do it with good planning and with commitment. They were committed to making it happen. I think about the space program. You know, back in the 1960s, some of you don't, weren't even alive then, so you don't know this. But the Russians seemed to be beating us, beating the U.S. in the space program. They put up a, uh, they put a, a wiener dog, a, a dachshund called Sputnik, and America got all concerned, and so President John F. Kennedy came along and says, we are going to be the first to put a man in the moon, and he made a commitment, and I think about some of those early pioneer astronauts, Alan Shepard and John Glenn. Why in the world would sane people go sit on top of a rocket and let it take you out of this, out of the, the gravitational pull of the earth so you can circle and orbit the earth and you don't even know if they can get you back? I mean, you're hoping that all those mathematical calculations are going to work. You're hoping that you're not going to burn up and be toast as you re-enter the atmosphere. What did it take? It took a lot of planning, a lot of analytics, a lot of mathematics. It took commitment. Dear ones, in 2020, what does God want from you and me? He wants us to be people of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And he's looking for people who will make a wholehearted commitment. Jesus, I'm fasting and I'm praying. I'm pushing away the plate because I don't want there to be anything in me that would keep me from making a wholehearted commitment to you. Stand to your feet. Michael's coming to the keyboard and Wes are coming with him. Here's what I'm gonna ask us to do as we close out this service. I'm gonna ask, it's still early. 
I'm going to ask every person that will. Everybody that'll say, Terrell, I'm going to make a wholehearted commitment of my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness in the year 2020. But I need his grace and I need his help. I'm going to ask you to leave where you're standing and come right down here and let's pray a prayer of dedication together. A prayer of commitment. We're committing, we're committing our way to the Lord and we're trusting also in him and he's bringing it to pass. And he's bringing forth our righteousness as the light and our justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. No, you cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Hallelujah. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.